If I could turn your attention to Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 6, and then we'll go ahead and we'll jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 18 through 21. So, see how y'all's sword drills are going. When you have it, say amen. All you cheaters that just look on the screen, I know it. I do the same thing. <laughs> The word says, now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said, come make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings which are in, your, in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. Verse 4 says, And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar for it. And Aaron made a, pro made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Move forward to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 18. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then, that an idol is anything, or what is offered to idols is anything? No, rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrificed, they sacrificed to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Verse 20, excuse me, sorry, I lost my place. That's it. Wow, I thought I'd put verse 22 in there. My bad. All right. With the help and guidance of the Lord and your attention, I would like to speak briefly on the topic, the choice between two cups. The choice between two cups. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Jesus, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this opportunity to step into your presence and be ministered to by your word, God. Come on, somebody cry out to him right now. Amen, amen. You may be seated. One thing you also learn if you ever get up here is your mouth gets so dry. I played baseball for as long as I can remember. I love the game. I love the strategy that's involved in the game. And I played it kind of all, all growing up throughout my life. And like any young boy who was into baseball or in any sport really, I had a dream to make it to the big leagues and play for the best team in the world, the St. Louis Cardinals. For all you Cub fans, it's all right. You can still get the Holy Ghost tonight. I won't lie, I'll be honest, I was pretty good as a kid. 
Not to be prideful, but I was pretty good. It had nothing to do with the fact that I was playing in a grade level below me, and I was a big kid. I was taller than everybody else, and they were throwing so slow. That had nothing to do with it. I was a good baseball player. I was fat. I was beefy. And I got to tell you, I had more inside the park home runs than I can count. But growing up in a pastor's home, my dad tried hard to make it known that baseball was not a priority. He loves baseball just as much as I do, and he would try to make a game whenever he could, but he tried his everything to make sure that it was instilled in me that baseball was not to be put above God. Because of this, my parents weren't as invested in in my baseball career as I would have liked. They didn't pay for hitting lessons. They didn't, you know, make sure that I was on the best travel team. Um, I was on a travel team. We were not good. Um, But eventually, I, I grew older, and I got into junior high and high school, and I realized I'm not good. As people who have, have taken the hitting lessons and they've gone far enough, they have surpassed my skill. But I will stand by my first base skills. I can pick a ball out of the dirt better than anybody. And I will prove it to you guys on the baseball field. The few times I got to play, or I, I got through my high school career, and the few times that I did get to play, I tried to make sure that I put together some good at-bats. I tried to make sure that I did well. Um... But the fact was, I, I, I just, my hitting was poor. I was not a good hitter. Um, but by my senior year, baseball tryouts came around, and I was determined to play more and prove to my team that I was a valuable player. I was determined to prove that I belonged there, and I was determined to have the best tryout of my life. I threw accurately. I tracked down all the fly balls. I made diving plays where I could. I showed off my skills at first base. And there was no way that I wasn't going to get more playing time. And the time came where I was called into coach's office and uh, he was going to tell me whether I, ma- excuse me, whether I made the team or not. And he kind of gave me the same spiel I heard the year before. He said that because I'm a lefty, really the only thing that he could use me as was a pitcher only. And I was not a pitcher. I hated pitching. It was the worst so he gave, me, he gave me the night to try to decide whether I wanted that to be. He said I, I probably wouldn't get any more playing time than I had the year before, which, I'll be honest, crushed me. So I, I went home and I decided that I had a decision to make, and ultimately I had to make a choice that was for the good of myself and my parents, and I decided to hang up the spikes that day. A choice to leave behind something that I cherished dearly. And I'll be honest, I did cry that day. And I threw away my bat out of anger. I loved the game of baseball. And I was so upset that it was over. But in our opening text, we find Moses on a mountain with God receiving the Ten Commandments. While the Israelites below were making a choice of their own. Not really a similar choice in any way. Baseball obviously wasn't around back then. But a choice nonetheless. In verse 32, now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, come make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Now while Moses was up doing his thing and, uh, and 
Aaron was approached by the Israelites, and they made a very annoying request. One that God had a right to be very angry with. He said, Aaron, make us gods to worship. We don't know where Moses is, and he was the one who delivered us out of Egypt. Right off the bat, we see a couple things. The first thing is that it is evident from the story that all humans have a desire to worship something. Whether we realize it or not, we are always worshiping something. Humans just have a natural desire to worship because that's what we were created to do. We were created to worship God. And if you not, are not actively worshiping God, then you are worshiping something else. But we'll get, that to, or we'll get to that a little bit later. The second thing that we notice is that we also see the Israelites have completely missed the point of the Exodus story. Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, they completely missed the fact that God was the one who delivered them and saved them. Words that God will use later to reason why he was going to slaughter them all had it not been for the plea of Moses. We would do well to remember the very reason why we are blessed in this life. And I can tell you, it's not because of your job, it's not because of your family, it's not because of doctors, it's not because of medicine, but it is because God has ordained every blessing in your life. God has ordained every moment where you've been happy. He's ordained every moment where you've been blessed. To move the story along, Aaron becomes a snowflake and makes the calf out of gold that is provided by the people. A good way to tell what your idols are is to take a look at what you are invested in. Not just money, but what do you invest your time and energy into? Who do you invest your time and energy into? 32 verse 4, then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Let me tell you why Aaron was a complete idiot in the story. Aaron knows what's going on here. He knows that this gold, he, or he makes the golden calf and claims that it is an image of Jehovah. Exodus 20 and 23 says, you shall not make anything to be with me. Gods of silver or gods of gold, you shall not make for yourselves. But in the story, Aaron compromised with the people to make the calf. They asked for gods, but Aaron did not want to go that far into idolatry, so he made it and said it was Jehovah, and they would feast to worship Jehovah. When Moses confronts him, dude straight up lies and says that he just threw a bunch of gold in a fire and says that a calf came out to Moses, who just spent all this time with God. And you're going to lie to him and tell him that a calf came out of the fire miraculously. How dumb can you be? But anyway, back to the main story. Long story short, God wants to destroy the people because they missed the entire point of what God did for them. But Moses pleaded to spare them, and God does so. But when Moses gets down to the mountain, he confronts dumb, dumb Aaron and ends up ordering thousands of people to be killed because of the golden calf. One graven image, one idol. I think it's important to stop here and define what an idol actually is. And I found a, a definition that I liked. It says, an idol is trusting, serving, or giving worship to something that is not God. 
Now we move to our second portion of text in 1 Corinthians. In chapter 10, Paul is addressing idolatry to the church of Corinth. And earlier in the chapter, even mentions the Israelites' fall to worshiping the golden calf. Observe Israel after the flesh are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar. What am I saying then that an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. Stop here. Paul is not claiming that idols or gods are real. We all know that there is only one God, but he is establishing that there are evil spirits associated with idol worship. He states in chapter 8 that an idol is nothing in this world. But in this world, idols have no power, but the spirits that come with them will try to tempt you and steal all of your attention away from God. Verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Now, what I'm preaching tonight, it's a simple concept, and I won't try to go too deep because in all honesty, the deeper I try to get, the more confused I get. But basically, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have God and something else as your top priority. You are forced to choose one or the other. To simplify it even further, you cannot worship idols and God. That's it. That's my message. Musicians come. Y'all are dismissed. That's it. That's the entire message. But we are called to worship God and God alone. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. But Braden, what's wrong with having priorities or having other priorities? I have stuff that's super important to me. I have school. I have my job. I have my friends and my family. I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Shouldn't I make time for those? Bella, you want me to give you a real answer? No. You should not make time for those if they come between you and God. That is our first priority as humans on this earth, is to serve God and God alone. There is nothing that should take your attention from serving God. We were created to worship Him and serve only Him. You want to know why we can't have idols above God? It's because they're destructive. Idols are destructive. Look at the Israelites. In our opening text, they wanted Aaron to create one idol. 3,000 people died that day. Over one golden statue of a cow that they worshipped over God. In Numbers 25, the Israelites fell to sexual immorality with the women of Moab. 24,000 people died that day because they wanted sex over keeping God's command. Samson broke his vow with God for a girl who only sought to destroy him. 
He lost his strength. He lost his eyes. He was humiliated, and ultimately he lost his life because he put a girl above his relationship with God. Every year that I've been here, I've seen relationships come and go. I've seen some destructive people tear down those with great talent and potential. And for some of them, it was too late to get out before they were torn down. Can I say it matters who you date? You should not even be thinking about dating if you don't have your life right with God. And you definitely shouldn't be dating if the person you want to date is not living right with God. Saul let his position as king dictate his life, and he lost the anointing of God. He lost his position, he lost his son, and he lost his life. But in all honesty, this is probably the saddest story of all. Because the Israelites, they didn't lose God at the end. God didn't leave them. Samson at least got to reconcile with God before he died. But Saul died, and he turned his back on God for a worldly position that was never his to claim. He let the idol of pride kill his son and take everything from him. You can chase everything you want to in this world. But when you drink from that cup, you only poison what was supposed to be given to God. Idols may not be God's, but the spirits that they carry will seek to destroy you in any way that they can. What you worship finds its way to your heart and it becomes your heart's desire. Acts 7, 38 through 39, speaking of Moses, this is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai, and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give us, whom our fathers would not obey but rejected. And in their hearts they turned back to Egypt. The Israelites rejected Moses and rejected God because they never left Egypt in their hearts. We have to be careful to rid ourselves completely of our idols before they creep back up and distract us from the reason that we left them in the first place. But how do I know what an idol is in my life? Can I tell you that anything can be an idol? Anything in your life can be an idol. Whatever you can think of, whatever you spend your time, anything can be an idol. Trusting, serving, or giving worship to something that is not God. We often don't even realize where our priorities stand until it's too late. We have to be intentional with our thoughts and actions at all times. One commentary has this to say of 1 Corinthians 10 and 20, that Paul had an eye to the intention of idolaters. For it is not their intention to worship devils, but imaginary deities of their own framing. I answer that the two things are quite in harmony. 
For when men become so vain in their imaginations as to render divine honor to creatures rather than to the one God, this punishment is the readiness for them that they serve Satan. For they do not find that middle place that they are in search of, but Satan straightway presents himself to them as an object of adoration whenever they have turned their back upon the true God. We may not have the intention to worship idols in our life or partake in the evil spirits that come with them, but it can happen if you are not intentional. Pride can easily begin to distract us. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. There are two aspects to pride. The first one being the most common is self-promotion. When you seek to promote yourself above anything else. When you seek a position over purpose to have your name in the spotlight. Self-promotion is arrogant and dare I say it is the most destructive. Second one's not very common, we don't think about it, but the second aspect to pride is self-preservation. Self-preservation seeks to protect oneself from embarrassment or uncomfortable situations. And they tend to run from the purpose that God has called them to. It all boils down to this. Pride becomes an idol when you make every situation about you instead of seeking the will of God in everything. You can gain any position you seek, but if God is not the main focus of your life, then you are on a path to destruction. Relationships are easily one of the most distracting things for people of our age group. Who do you hang around, or who you hang around matters. Who your friends are matters. I don't care if you're the ringleader of the group or the quiet one that sits in the back. Your friends and your relationships influence the absolute mess out of you. I'm not anyone to tell anyone else whether they should date or not. But please hear me. If they are not walking right, if they are not talking right, if they are not living right, then they are not the one for you. If you can't grow with each other, then you are carrying some dead weight because they don't want to jump into their purpose like you do. It's time to cut those ties loose and part ways. I'm dating a great girl who loves God. I'll brag on her every second I can. All right, she's great. She really is. She's pretty. She can sing. She's, she can bake. Oh, my Lord, her cupcakes. Woo! I gained some weight this year. It hadn't been because I ain't been working out. But she loves God so much more than I do. She helps me see the potential in Christ and strives to be better in her walk each day. But as much as I love her, one day, if one day she decides that she's had enough of God and wanted to quit, then I'm holding the door as she walks out because nothing comes between my relationship and God. As difficult as that is to say, I am not willing to let any person, anything come between what God has for me in my eternity. 
I think it was Peter who t- or Peter Wright who told a story in class. Tim, correct me if I'm wrong. He told a story of a father in, in some foreign country. I'm foggy on the details. Uh, his father was preaching, and uh, there was per- I think it was Russia. There was persecution in Russia, and uh, he, he knew he was about to be arrested the next day, so he sat down with his family the night before and said, if I find out that my wife and my kids are hung for the sake of Christ then I will be the proudest Christian that I can be. Understand the weight of that. Not even my family is going to come in the way of what God has. We'll move on. I lost my place. I went off. I'm sorry. You want to focus on a relationship and focus on yours with God. Family's going to fade away. Friends are going to fade. Boyfriends and girlfriends will fade. At the end of the day, God is the only one that remains. I'm going to serve the one thing that is always going to be there. Let me restart that. I'm going to serve one thing that is going to be there when everything disappears. We have other idols like technology or or money. I know some of y'all are attached to your phones. I deleted Facebook and uh, Instagram off my phone. You don't realize how much you go to Facebook or Instagram until it's off your phone and you swipe over and you just try to tap on it. Instead, you just swipe your phone back and forth for like five minutes and just look at it. So I struggle with it too. Money is another idol. The one thing I noticed when I started getting my life right, and I actually made a budget, my finances, better than they've ever been. Because when your priorities are right, God is going to bless you in every aspect of your life. Music. I should probably stop here. If the first thing you turn on in your car is some R&B junk talking about sex, drugs, and alcohol, then there is a problem. Music was created to glorify God only. What is the message of the song you're listening to? Why don't you go ahead and evaluate what you are listening to over the next week, and you'll see very quickly what your idol is when it comes to music. Anything that you put before God is an idol, and that cup has got to go. But what's the point of all of this? Why is this so important? It's because worshiping God alone brings life and relationship. Exodus 34 and 14 in the New Living Translation says, You must worship no other gods, for the Lord whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. I've really only talked about what is in one cup as mentioned in 1 Corinthians 10.21. The cup of idols and demonic spirits will always lead to destruction, and I hope I've conveyed that well. But if you hear nothing else that I say tonight, please listen to these next few moments. God desires to know you. God desires to know every part of you. 
His creation is what he loves the most, and he longs to walk with you and communicate with you daily. I've hit hard on why we can't have idols in our lives because there is a God who desires to know you better than any person or thing you ever encounter. And he wants you to know him too. Even with our full attention on him and his plans and his will, we would still only know a portion of our God. That's why we have to make sure that he is the center of everything we do. Our attention span, our, our comprehension is not able to comprehend everything that there is to know about God. So it's only fair that we give everything to him. That's only fair to God. Otherwise, we're giving him less than what he deserves. The cup of God is full of life and relationship. There is no middle ground here. When Paul says that you can't drink from the cup of God and the cup of demons, he means it. When you drink from two cups and only one of them is poison, but the other isn't, you will still die from the poison. We all have to align ourselves, align our lives in God's plan and not our own. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And if we leave our lives to our own hearts and desires, we will surely be crushed under that weight of destruction. But let's be honest, we don't know what we're doing. If we pay attention to our hearts, we have no idea what we're doing in this life. I don't understand how people who've left the church, I don't understand how they, they can't rely on God because I can't do it on my own. I haven't experienced a time in my life where I set God on the back burner and I was able to carry on like nothing, like I didn't know him. I don't understand how people can leave and just continue to live their lives without so much conviction. But God knows all and he desires to know us and for us to know him. If y'all can stand. I wasn't going to be long. I think I got you guys out in enough time to go get some Taco Bell before curfew. Idols just get in the way of everything. Idols get in the way of what God's purpose is for us. Idols are the main thing that will tear you away from God and what he has for your life. I know these aren't cups, I'm sorry, but pretend they are. One cup is full of destruction, and one cup is full of life and relationship. I hope I've conveyed enough of what God has spoken to me for someone in this place to understand that anything that you put above God is going to tear you down in the long run. I tell this story a lot, but my freshman year was not one to remember. Remember? 
Freshman year, I came here with ambition to learn and to, to become the best minister and the best Christian that I could, but I quickly fell into rebellion and into, into trouble and some bad relationships. I try to tell that to every freshman that I can because I wasted a lot of what I could have gotten my freshman year. People go through their pictures on their phone and I see that I'm not in them because I was off doing something else that I know I wasn't supposed to be doing. I decided that I was going to serve something else besides God. And can I tell you, it put a wrench between me and my family. I felt like my parents were so disappointed in me. But instead of confronting that, I ran from it and I just dove deeper into sin. Some of you may understand what it's like to feel disappointed or feel like your parents were disappointed in you. I said it earlier in my message, my dad taught me to love God more than anything. And I had forsaken that precious word that he had hidden in my heart for some temporary pleasure and idols that weren't going to do anything for my ministry. In fact, if I told you some of the stuff that I had done, there's no way they would have even asked me to preach. Idols about tore down my life. And I'm not saying I don't struggle with them now. But I walk daily with the Lord now. And I make sure that God knows that I love Him with everything in my heart. Because He delivered me from bondage of idols. What is taking control of your life today? Tim has preached unity all year. How can we plan to be unified if our attention is not on God? There's a cup of destruction and there's a cup of life. All I want is for somebody to respond. Say, I'm walking away from destruction. And I'm walking to life. I'm drinking from the cup that's never going to run dry. I'm partaking in the communion. That's going to allow me to fellowship with God. Come on, somebody tear down those idols today. Somebody get rid of those things that have held you back from your potential. There is only one God. 
And he deserves your absolute everything. Because he died on a cross. Because his blood poured out. And he gave his life for you. So that you could choose the cup of life. this room right now Lord take control of my life God take control of my everything God if I lose everything right now God at least I'm still going to have you I still can fellowship with you. Somebody build an altar today. Somebody where you're at, I know we can't come to the front, but where you're at, somebody build an altar today and kill that flesh. missionary in this place. I see a youth pastor in this place. I see a worship leader in this place. But there's a wall of idols that needs to come down. your calling stop fearing your purpose jump into what God has for you Lord meet me here right now God meet me here right now God, as I'm lost, Lord. God, leave the 99 for me, Jesus. I need you, God. <laughs> 